What's up, everybody? Chris Dover here, head systems trader at MacroOps. And this week, like it's a weekly podcast. It's just random. I know. Uh, this week, I'm talking, uh, I'm talking to uh, Carter Thomas. And Carter is, um, he's a, well, we brought him on to talk crypto. I put a, uh, I put a tweet out last week uh, and said, hey, who's in, you know, who's in crypto should I, that I should talk to? And of course, I get the usual people, you know, Pomp and Saif and, you know, all the, all the big names that everybody's, you know, they're always in demand and they're always useful and interesting to talk to. But um, this being macro ops, we're more about trading. We're less about cryptos changing the world and the spiritual hippiness of it and, and all that that gets associated and, and the virality and the animosity that comes with it. I'd rather talk to somebody who's a trader. And Carter is actually a trader in crypto and also a trader in regular markets. Uh, but more interestingly, when somebody tagged his name in the replies, I looked at his profile and the, his link, his URL on his Twitter, which is at, should I, am I allowed to say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Totally. <laughs> at Carter Thomas on Twitter. <laughs> um, he had a Macrops article on there written by Alex as his uh, profile link so i was like well this was meant to be this guy let's get him on the let's get him on the uh podcast and and let's have a chat so without further ado we have carter thomas the uh i guess well just trader trader carter thomas that does that work for you, you want a better... <laughs> yeah that that that's perfect yeah it's, All right. chris great to be here yeah yeah it's uh it's great to have you on uh great to have great microphone pay attention other people who come on without great microphones <laughs> how amazing this sounds no offense yeah. Alex. Just doing it the, we're doing it for the fans, man. It's all about the fans. That's it. Give them what they want. That's right. So, uh, so let's let's just dig right into. First of all, let's let's get a little background on your um, on you, so that people can you know take advantage sure. of the conversation. So, tell us a little bit back about yourself. Sure. I starting in around 2010. So I should say, let's get the real juice here. 2008, um, I was working at a startup. I was living in Maine and bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, young, like, ambitious kid, thought, got promised the whole world, stock options. I thought everything was going to go you know, through the moon and the financial crisis happened. I remember sitting at my desk watching the stock market go down hundreds and hundreds of points, watching like, banks get crushed and then bailed out. And I kind of knew something was wrong, obviously, but I didn't have any money. Like I was, I was pretty broke at that point. Um, but I remember just thinking to myself, this has got to be like something huge is happening here, but I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I, there's nothing I can do about it because I just, I don't know what I'm doing. So that planted the seed. 2010, I left, my, I left that startup and I started my own companies over the next six, seven years. I built a bunch of companies made a bunch of money, had a lot of fun, like traveled the world, did the whole thing. Um, but I kind of ran out of, okay, what's next? What am I supposed to be doing here? And in 2016, I stumbled into crypto. I had been buying Bitcoin in 2013 because I was in San Francisco. I met the Coinbase guys and they're like, oh, you, gotta, you should get in on this. In 2016, I really dug in, uh, learned about Ethereum when they first started listing it on Coinbase and a few other coins. And I really just was like, screw it. Like, let's just go for this. Pushed in a bunch of chips. 
And when things started to take off, I was like, there's, there's nobody talking about what I'm really interested in. There's nobody talking about how this fits into the global macro picture. Like, how is this going to actually make a difference? I get the story. I get the, you know, Satoshi thing. I, I understand it, but look, let's talk about real stuff here. Let's talk about the real big picture. I couldn't find any information. I couldn't find any people. And so I just decided, well, I'm just going to figure this out for myself. And so I literally just took this video camera and this microphone and said, hi guys, I'm Carter. Uh, I have no idea what I'm doing and I have no idea anything about like this market or macro or crypto. I'm just trying to figure it out. I know I own a lot of this stuff, but I want to learn more and I want to take people on that journey with me. That got really popular. Um, we're getting hundreds of thousands of people watching and listening to the videos every couple of days. And it just kind of blew up, right? It was just like, got so, so big. I learned so much about markets and psychology and bubbles. Uh, when it started to peter off in 2018, the, the YouTube channel kind of lost my interest. It just became like more, uh, wasn't worth it anymore. But I was still so interested in this trading. And if you take that full circle, I was starting to realize, okay, we're kind of in this moment in time that it's probably a really good time to know how to A, trade, B, understand how all these different markets are working together and C, how this disruptive technology may enter in. And so I did a pivot and uh, linked up with a buddy who's a very good futures trader and said, hey man, I wanna learn how to do this. I wanna learn how to really be a really good trader and you know, understand these markets. And that's what I've been doing for the last two years now is just full time, just immerse myself in markets and trading and just understand how it all works. So it's been fun. So before we go down the macro rabbit hole, how do you see how, well, let, let's, let's dive into how crypto is, how you see crypto participating in the macro rabbit hole. What is the, what is its significance? Is it, I mean, probably we're going to talk about currency as a, sure. as the cryptocurrency, not the, not the technology of cryptography or of blockchains or all that, but we're going to specifically talk about the asset asset class mm -hmm. itself as traders. Right. So how do you see that wedging itself into when it, you know, where we're at right here, where Bitcoin's correlated with everything, every other market at the same time, pretty much as the S and P goes right. up, Bitcoin goes up as gold goes down and you know, everything correlated to one right now. So how do you see Bitcoin differentiating or being a participant in that global macro picture? That's a really good question because I think that, you know, I, I tend to look at, at crypto in a, in a, through a few different lenses. One, I, I really believe in what it represents. Like I, I believe in the genesis of Bitcoin. I believe I understand why it was made and I, I, I agree with that story. Now the question really is, is that realistic? We all know that there's a lot of very powerful forces in the world that really don't want that to happen. And I think we're, we're trying to figure this out right now. And so for me, it fits in the macro picture as first and foremost, it's just a tradable liquid asset. And if you look at the history of the last 50 years, there really hasn't been a whole lot of evolution of new asset classes. The only real innovation is like the securitization of stuff in the early 80s when they started making 
mutual funds, index funds, ETFs, that sort of thing. But everything else isn't really available to retail investors. It's all things like mortgage-backed securities and uh, corporate debt and stuff like that. And so this is, I think that's really interesting is that it's a new asset class that's, yeah, it's got one day it's got a correlation of zero, one day it's got a correlation of one. And I don't think anyone's really has any idea. Uh, but to see how that can, that can evolve can really open up some new doors because I tend to believe that in the next 20 years, 10 years maybe, there have to be 10 times as many assets to trade as there are right now. Like right now there's what, like 85 asset classes or whatever the number is, I don't know. I think that needs to be like 10,000. And I think the only way to do that is to securitize things through tokens, through coins, through uh, you know, digitization stuff. So in that, in that sense, it's very interesting. Um, the second piece of the macro picture is that the parlays into that, I think is watching a lot of these, you know, hedge fund guys or not really in the, in the pr private equity space, not really in the, you know, family office space quite yet, but some of these smaller hedge funds or, or retail people who have enough money starting to become bullish on Bitcoin, um, as it, in like a portfolio theory way where they say, okay, it's an, it's a hedge against, you know, insert the blank events, the hyperinflation or the government's blowing up or, you know, privacy concerns or whatever. And, and like when you watch those guys start to buy, drink the Kool-Aid, uh, there's a big ripple effect in their communities. And the same thing kind of happened in 2017 because the price flatlined and it started going down, especially for some of the smaller coins, but the, the hype and the, the excitement about it was going up and you got this really interesting divergence. And so I think that that could end up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy where you need new assets. You start to get people who are basically in the business of selling stories around assets to believe that story. And instead of it being for bonds or for gold, it's now for Bitcoin in some capacity. That becomes very interesting because it, it starts to become what it's supposed to be just because there's enough momentum behind it. And so I think that that's going to be super interesting. Um, and then I think the other big piece, which is my biggest concern, is the regulatory piece. I think that decentralization is kind of a farce in some ways. I think that like you can never kill Bitcoin, quote unquote, but there's, you could absolutely come out tomorrow and shut down all the exchanges in the United States. And yeah, internationally, the Bitcoin could keep running, you know, but if the G7 coordinated and said, we're going to shut it down everywhere in all the developed countries in the world, and we're going to shut down mining and shut down the exchanges, like that essentially kills it. And it, it could still live in some way, but like, it's just a, it's a possibility. And we do not have, like, we don't know which comes first. Like, does it get momentum first or does momentum actually lead to regu regulation? Is regulation going to be a good thing or a bad thing? We just don't know what that is yet. And so I think that that's the only reason why I haven't, like, I still own a lot of Bitcoin and, and fewer cryptos. I still believe in it. But it's more of like, um, I'm, it's a bet, right? It's, it's an it's a educated speculation on all these dominoes working out. And if that bet's right, it could go to 
100,000, 500,000, million bucks. I don't know. But there's a lot of things that need to line up for that to happen um, that other assets just don't need to do because they've, they've got the history. They've got the, the credibility of the stories. They've got the momentum. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I waited till that exact moment to cough. <laughs> Well-timed. Uh, yeah, it is very interesting to think about where, um, you know, every Friday at, you know, 3 p.m. Chicago time, every single market in the entire world closes, basically. Not every, I mean, you, you got Middle East, but um, they do centrally coordinate the shutdown of markets every week, every day. You know, uh, the thing about crypto being that you, even there are even miners, isn't there a miner up in space? on a satellite, if I recall, somebody was able to launch a satellite uh, and whether, anyway, I don't wanna to get too far into that, but uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see that the distribution of those networks and the strength of that is so, so interesting despite the correlation that we get. Um, so tokenizing has been a tokenizing assets, uh, smart contracts, you know, getting all the, the things there. I want, first of all, we're smacked at him in the middle of COVID-19 crisis as of this moment. Um, the entire country and darn near the entire world has self-quarantined, I guess, and a lot of places are still there. Um, if ever there was a, <laughs> the, the thing about crypto is there always a saying like, you know, wait until Wall Street shows up, which, you know, right. did, did happen. Uh, obviously, the CME, the CBOT have futures contracts that any, you know, any hedge fund manager can literally buy it. Uh, it it's not same as spot because spot trades 24 seven, 365. This one shuts down. So Wall Street shows up. We get a bunch of hedge funds, crypto hedge funds. So now they're selling their asset class to people. We get custodian accounts, meaning you can take pension money, you can take you know, institutional money as a hedge fund. And okay, so that's like onboarding, getting people into the asset class. It's, it's probably amongst those people who, if they are looking to go institutional, getting into Ari David Paul's type fund, he's, I think he's very focused on, um, on that asset class, obviously, because that's where the fees are going to be, uh, the big numbers. Uh, and he comes from that world, so it makes a lot of sense. Um, but when you, when you get them focused on that and you start seeing private equity type, people seeing venture, people seeing private equity, people seeing markets that are not liquid, but that have, and, and have like a, a restriction on them. One thing I'm thinking about, and this, this is what you alluded to with the tokenization of other assets and of other things is suddenly investing in art is a liquid tool, right? It's, there's a market to be made for, fractional ownership of art uh, for, you know, one way, like you can break them down into one one millionth of a decimal or some, some crazy, even higher uh, connection. What do you see as, okay, we've done money. We've got Bitcoin. We have Ethereum and its job is to be this tokenization network. It, it, like it, it's smart contracts and all these other things. Do you see another asset class again, past capital being the next, maybe that next onboard into getting more money, more of the, the high net worth family office into the space. Do you have any thoughts there? I think that 
Because there are, I mean, there's obviously a bunch of, you know, tokens out there that are doing these things and yeah. we can have a guess. Um, EOS. I, you know, I think the short answer is I don't think anything is going to compete with Bitcoin anytime soon in terms of getting people to, to, to come into the space. I think that the biggest thing is going to be regulatory compliance, getting things like an ETF lined up, custodian, you know, all the kind of insurance type things. Um, as, as the market grows, I think that the next obvious evolution is going to be through decentralized finance, through things like lending, through things like yield appreciation, uh, through things like, you know, how you pay your rent, how you pay your mortgage, like how it's all done in, in, in a trustless environment for things like contracts or, or anything that involves money. Uh, I think that that's going to be a huge deal. And I think the, the big piece of that, uh, when you take it a step further, is when really interesting kind of response to what may happen uh, or like the next catalyst that might come out of this 2020 uh, bailout or whatever you want to call it with a lot of these companies, if you get a lot of social unrest, you may see companies start to form that are based on cryptocurrencies that are not centralized entities. They're not LLCs, they're not S-Corps, they're not C-Corps. They're actually crypto assets or like they're crypto platforms. And the companies are completely decentralized. People can work from anywhere, much like we're doing right now. And the entire equity of the company is not in shares. It's, it's in the actual tokens and the coins that they're producing. And it, it requires a bit of a, a leap mentally because it, it's almost like an inversion, inverted way of thinking of a, a company because it's less hierarchical and it's more of a horizontal-based system where you can kind of enter and leave as you want to be part of this company. But I think once that like model gets crystallized by someone who does it really, really well, uh, which may take years to do, I think that until we have that, it's gonna be hard for people to make the leap of, oh, I can invest into this thing because it's always gonna be a speculative. The second anything with value hits a market, it's gonna get bid up like crazy because everybody is just looking for these, whatever asset has the best story. Oh, I can go buy the token. And it's going to, and someone's going to manipulate it up. Yeah. Uh, whereas when you get something with actual value, um, you can really start to make the case. And I don't see that happening for a while, but I do think that the future of companies as we're seeing right now has to be decentralized companies because there's such egregious policies being enacted and there's so many, uh, there's so much ability to manipulate the power structure within a company. And I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm not like making an ethical judgment on this. I'm just saying that the way it's set up is not going to last. People will not, are not going to continue to let that happen. And so I think that the next move may be de decentralizing organizations. Yeah, there's um, kind of a side note here. Uh, have you read Peter Diamandis's latest book, uh, The Future is Faster Than You Think? It, I have not, no. It's, uh, it literally, <laughs> I read it right before we start. So right, I guess in February it came out. Uh, Peter Diamandis, uh, uh, the X, X Prize founder, yeah. um, Singularity University, um, like pretty well-known futurist. And, you know, he really did a great job of laying out how the future would look in a trustless environment, like you say, to where I don't need to trust that you're, let me kind of give the idea behind a trustless environment and, and what crypto is really good at that. 
if you create a contract, let's say between you and I, which create a contract that says you're going to do this job for me. When that job's complete, you'll receive money. Now, currently I have to do the work and you have to trust that I'm going to do the work. And then when I complete the job, I have to trust that you're actually going to pay me for the job. Right. And in the, the smart contract type thing, there would be metrics that if this, then that, if all these things are met, then the money is released. You've, 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 you know, signed your, you put your wallet connected to it. I've put my wallet connected to it. We've agreed upon this certain amount when the, when the work is done, it instantly happens. And it's initially, it's just the initial discussion. It should manage itself after that. Right. Like, right. If I'm capable at my job and you capably got me to do your vision. Right. So that's, that's kind of what the idea of that trustless environment and how these contracts work. So when you have these, you don't need to have, and, and also, by the way, it takes about a second for the transaction to complete. Whereas if I complete the work on a Saturday, let's say this past weekend was Easter. So Friday was a banking holiday and I finished the work on Thursday at 5.55 PM, like done. You're like, okay, cool. Monday, I'll send a wire, right? Whereas right. in this scenario, all it does, it's been completed. I've met all these things. And at 5.55 and one, cent, uh, one second after, that money is mine. It is in my wallet and I can do whatever I need. So those are like some of the cool technologies that go around to it. And I, I look at that and I say, okay, let's say you needed to move a couple hundred thousand dollars. Like you, you, know, you, you need to invest in, uh, you're, you're investing in a fund. So just got a phone. Okay, yeah, I'm going to put 500 in your whatever fund. Um, you're a hedge fund manager. I'm going to wire you 500,000. Okay, cool. Here's the documents. You sign it all out. Attorneys go do everything, whatever. Takes a week or two to get all that done. Subscription agreement. Hold and then you end up on a, let's say it's again on that holiday, Thursday. I'm going to send the wire now. Boom. Gets blocked because it's 500,000. So you get a phone call. On Monday, you think it's going through. You get a phone call on Monday from the bank saying, hey, so, uh, or they probably don't even do anything. They just kind of sit there. And you follow up and you say, hey, where have you got the wire yet? And he's like, I haven't got the wire yet. So you call your bank and you go back and forth. And it can take up to two weeks for that sort of transfer to happen, for you to get your own money, access to your own capital, and move it in whatever way you want legally. It can take up to two weeks in a lot of times. So, um, I get, I think that's a, and it's a really interesting thing because Bitcoin would be the, I guess the, the next question is the stable coin, right. I guess. Right. So if, if Bitcoin is the asset that whether it's a speculative asset or the uncorrelated asset, where do the stable coins come into that? Scenario? Right. I think that, that so on my, on my Twitter account, my pinned post right now, as of whatever day it is, April 15th, should be paying our taxes, but we got a nice, <laughs> nice little right. on that. Holy uh, God. Uh, the, the idea is that for crypto to really get big and price-wise, but just, you know, as an asset class, there, there, some things need to happen. So this is from a theory that a guy, Alex Gravich wrote about. He was uh, the, the top, I believe he did fixed income trading and bond trading at JP Morgan. I've talked to him a few times, really smart guy. I've listened to all his podcasts. He wrote an amazing book 
and uh, called The Next Perfect Trade. And it's all about this idea of concurrent necessity. And I, this has framed a lot of how I look at new opportunities and how you can look at where, how things are going to happen and trade based on that. And so with crypto, stable coins offer this interesting opportunity where for crypto to get big, what is a concurrent necessity that needs to happen before that? So what needs to happen for crypto to get big? Well, fiat currency, whether it be dollars, euro, yen, wherever they are, people are in the world, needs to go from a bank into the crypto space. Now, right now, people will wire the money in and then they'll go to an exchange and then they'll maybe buy Bitcoin or some Ethereum or whatever they, they buy. Stable coins offer this whole new world of potential reasons why people move their money out of their banks into the cryptoverse, if you want to call it that. And outside of the US, maybe inside, I don't know at this point, but definitely outside of the US, a lot of these stable coins offer very attractive yields. So you can get, I think, like 5 to 7% on a stable coin if you're in the European Union, I believe, which is insane. I mean, look at, you know, the federal funds rate in the United States is 50, 50 basis points. You got 2% inflation. I mean, we have negative real rates. Everywhere in the world basically has negative real rates at this point in the developed world. And this is one of the only places where you can hold stable, you know, quote unquote, stable currency and get a real yield on it. So one of the, the really interesting from a macro trading perspectives of the stablecoin phenomenon is that it offers, it's like the gateway drug because you have to get fiat money in the system somehow. That, like, it has to happen. And the more ways we can get people to do that, the more the chances of them turning around back, like, well, I've already got this crypto stablecoin. Maybe I should buy a little Bitcoin too. Or maybe I should buy a little insert coin name here, right? And so I think that that's a really interesting um, development. I think it's also probably going to be one of the targets of regulation, where if, if they're going to shut anything down, they'd probably shut down stable coins, especially if they're starting to do like debt jubilees. And you start to see whether we get massive hyperinflation, which I don't think we're going to get immediately. I think we might get a deflationary shock First, like they're going to have to figure out some sort of global currency solution. And if you have a stable coin that's disrupting that, while the central banks are trying to figure this out, they're not going to be cool with that. But in the meantime, like that is a very powerful story. Uh, and so I do think that there's a lot to be said for before, before the speculation comes, before the decentralized companies or securitization of assets or anything happens, how do you get people to put a hundred bucks into the crypto space? And if you can get a, a, a stable coin that's yielding 7%, that to me seems like a pretty compelling reason uh, in the short term. So what is paying the 7%? That's obviously going to be the, the question that people are going to say, well, you know, that's the Ponzi scheme, right? That's, that's yeah. where everybody brings up the Ponzi scheme is, well, if you're putting in a hundred and I'm putting in a hundred, and it, there's a hundred million in there now. How is it now 107 million? Right. right. Um, the the short right, answer. For, choose one. Choose one. I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like the. <laughs> it it kind of works like a bank, and banks are just legal Ponzi schemes, pyramid schemes, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and it kind of works the same way, where 
for a stable coin to be a stable coin, it needs to be backed by something. It can't just peg to an index. It has to actually have collateral associated with it. Now, some try to do the pegging, but there's a lot of complicated math behind that. Um, and so one of the solutions is, okay, we're going to get this large collateralized set of assets, and we're going to use those to lend out to people that want to use them for trading, for yield, for owning it, whatever it may be. And we're going to take the, the, the fees that we get off that lending, and we're going to plow it back into the stable coin as the yield that comes off the stable coin. So they're basically doing the same thing a bank does. Like you lend out mortgages, you make 4% on it, and then you pay out 0.03% on the, on the cash. This is just a much better spread for the consumer. Now, obviously, eventually, like every asset in the world, uh, you know, those false yields will eventually, the market will find the way to get those down to like 2%, 3%. I mean, maybe, maybe it'll always be a little bit higher. Um, maybe not. But for now, that's where you can get the yield is basically just the speculative arbitrage of lending out the crypto or the, any collateralized asset that's backing the stablecoin. Um, that provides the, the return. Got it. So the, um, one of the interesting things I noted in the 2018 timeframe was no matter how short I was the crypto space, um, and you can definitely, a lot of people don't realize, yes, you can short, um, and, and there are a number of ways to do it. So, uh, you know, a lot of people in the macro world, um, didn't understand that, that it was a shortable market. They, they were angry and cranky about it a lot, calling it a bubble or whatever the, you know, what they're doing with Tesla right now. Um, but they, you know, you wouldn't take those short positions on it cause you didn't know how to get into an exchange that was marginable, first of all, uh, you know, and if you're in the States, that's a, that's a challenging issue now too. But, um, one of the highest yielding trades as I mean, we're talking shorting Bitcoin from like, you know, 10, 15,000, 20,000 area down to, you know, down to 3000, uh, having the, I, you know, catching massive short moves, but the interest that I was paying on those short moves to just be right on such a screaming, you know, thousands and thousands of points. And the interest that I was paying to be short was so bad <laughs> that it was better to just sit and loan out crypto to people trying to short it. Cause I was making, you know, risk-free money. Basically loan, I had 10, 20 Bitcoin. I loan out 10, 20 Bitcoin and people would go short it and buy on margin and, you know, pay all these fees. And you're just sitting there kind of, Oh, that's interesting. Um, right. So when, you know, when you, when I talk a lot of talk to a lot of mathematical, uh, some quants, basically. I was just like, it is, it's free money in crypto in a lot of ways. And a lot of the algo type stuff that is in other markets that arbitrages out a lot of things doesn't really exist in crypto, crypto the way it does there. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I just kind of want to, you know, jump on the back of that. That's, that's the whole uh, tether, right? Tether is the, the big thing. USD yeah, there's tether. tether. There's, I mean, there's a bunch of other ones. There's like USDC, USDT, uh, DAI, or, you know, there's just a bunch of different ones. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of arguments that could go both ways. Like, it's easy to point out how ridiculous a stable coin is for the exact reason that it is. A, it's like, 
a legit yeah. pyramid scheme. Right. But it's also like, that's why that that's what the system is. Like you have to have a pyramid scheme to create uh, a, yeah. fun, you know, a system. Like you can't have Austrian economics right. like on a global <laughs> growth. Like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's, I think intellectually, for myself at least, I'm just like, listen, that's that's the game. That's how it's going to be played, and you know, so be it. Yeah. Well, this this tweet uh, thread of yours, pretty much, you know, the TLDR is that, hey, you know, we need to get more people in here. So how do we attract? And, and just like any investment, right? You need um, if if it's a high risk investment, you're going to pay a lot more to your investors to come in. Like if I'm an, if I'm an investor, I'm going to de-risk my trade every way I can. Um, if I'm on, you know, the more conservative side, if I'm on the extremely speculative side, I'm willing to pay, you know, any price to get the, the big move. And, you know, your point being is that we need to, if you're paying out 2% on a money market account, let me know if the bird noises get too loud on your end. Um, I live in nature. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, if, uh, you know, if, if you're paying out 2% on a money market account, which I don't think they are anymore, but let's say you, you know, let's, we're rewinding a couple of months before sure. the world went crazy. Um, and you're, you can get 2% on your money for just breathing, right? Or you could, and what everybody did was they, you know, went long an index fund or, you know, passive long the index funds and, you know, made a substantial amount of returns. It's times like now when you realize, oh, there is an actual challenge for me to get my money from a bank because I can't leave the house, I'm quarantined, um, or, you know, for, for whatever reason, and you're still, you're almost paying them to hold your money. Right, right in a number of ways, uh, fee base especially. However, if I had my money in a wallet that I could access like that, then it doesn't matter if I, you know, the 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 team who develops the stable coin cannot, by definition, take my money. Right, that's the that's the whole point of the blockchain, and that's that's something I think a lot of people don't really understand. Whereas, if if you say you want your money you do the transfer. You just go in and enter the wallet you want to send it to and you control that wallet or you send it to your mom's wallet or you send it to any other wallet. It's there. It's good. <laughs> you can't do, like I can't go grab $10,000 at Chase Bank right now very easily. I don't right. think they would even allow 10000 because even though it is your own money, um, they have restrictions on withdrawals and they probably are only doing drive throughs or something, you know, like in, They'll say, give us three or four or five days or fill out this form. So it's a very interesting point there is that you're getting five, 7% returns uh, on some, in some of these investments that you're talking about, these stable coin type investments or these, these coins that spit off uh, returns uh, for doing nothing other than just staking or putting money in the, in the account, which you can pull out at a second's notice as, you know, as, yeah, I think that the other piece of all this um, is when you when you look at the look at the system itself, and you look at the macro world, and you look at the investing world, and you start to ask yourself, okay, 
what what investing decisions are being made based on certain things that have always been constant. And so I'll use basically since 1982, the absolute best trade you can make is the risk parity trade, which is long bonds, long stocks. Like you do that, you win every time. I mean, with the exception of even with the, with the crash in 08, uh, bonds outperformed. But what is risk parity? What does that trade require? Well, it requires confidence in the government. It requires interest, positive interest rates because at a certain point, you can't keep dropping interest rates. So theoretically, the bond, bonds will eventually like normalize because they can't, they won't keep pricing more and more negative. Like they'll, they'll blow up or they'll just stabilize at a price, which essentially means that government debt is no longer, like people don't trust anymore. So if, the other way to look at this is saying, okay, well, there's all these risks of technological risks and speculative risks of crypto. But my, my point would be, well, what happens if you don't have this backstop of government confidence? Or if that backstop starts to go down a little bit, what does a, a true risk parity profile look like? Does it still look like equities and private companies? I would say yes. Does it look like commodities? I would say probably yes, because those are pretty fungible and especially physical commodities that you can actually, you know, fill up your bathtub with some crude oil or whatever you want to do. But like, I think that Bitcoin starts to enter that, that picture as the trust, the confidence in the government's ability to actually do like provide value and long-term wealth and long-term yields. As that drops, that capital is going to have to go somewhere. And for all, it could easily just plow into equities. We can have another Dow could go to 50,000. That could easily happen. But I do think that the whole, the whole investing world is going to have to rethink what risk really is. If you, if you remove the biggest uh, safety net there is, or if, if, at the very least, if you, if you bring it down and many people, you know, the diehard Bitcoin people would say, well, that's what the math does. That's what the network does. More people need to, me to believe that like that's not nearly strong enough yet um but i do think that the the decision to move into like a stable coin versus a money market it's going to not only be about yields it's going to be about like you just said do i trust this to be around in a year do i believe that i'm actually going to ever actually get my money back do i have access to all of this and those, when those type of questions are really on people's minds with real amounts of money, uh, you start to see institutional changes. You start to see the whole world start to change. And I, I think that what's happening right now in the global economy is we haven't really seen, we have no idea what the true ramifications of all this is going to be on consumer behavior, on consumer trust. And that's going to open up a whole new world where people, all of a sudden, they're going to hear about some of these ideas and say, Wow, that that actually does make me feel better. You know, I am more interested in that than I, you know, two years ago. I never would have even thought of it. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, just that this is the thing that everybody. Again, we went back to that thing of you know, just wait till Wall Street shows up. The the meme that we used to have in crypto. I don't think we have it as much anymore uh, after that <laughs> big bubble. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing when you know when the banking system dies when you print into infinity where you know what do you do how do you actually have value how do you store value 
and gold hasn't been proven as that asset. Everybody says it and people still believe it, but you know, toilet paper, like masks, you know, those things like tampons and, you know, things that actually become useful. And and I, I, toilet paper is less on that than, you know, tampons would be. Um, I assume being a man, I don't know, but (laughs) I can assume Uh, there's certain things that become actually a lot more important, you know, like than gold. And you have to believe that they're going to backstop gold or they're going to use gold or they're going to use commodities or they're going to use other things to do it. But you don't need that in a, in a, you know, with cryptography, with cryptocurrency, I should say, because you don't, you can remove the trust is that you own the wallet, right? You own the money yourself. It can be in any currency you want it to be, whether that's another token, whether that's a Euro dollar, whether that's the U S dollar, whether that's a yen, whether it's, um, gold, you know, whether it's Bitcoin, you can transfer it to do anything you want with it. As long as there's a, and this is the other end of it. How do you get, you know, what you're getting at is if there was a way for people to realize, get retail, and when we say retail, um, like my mom to have money in a wallet, not, not a Robin hood trader type thing, but I meant like actual normal people who don't really know what crypto is and they're not getting into it just because the news is exciting about it. They're thinking, Oh wow. Yeah. I could actually do these sort of things. And that, yeah, that's a great, um, I, the tweets there, it's, it's really, really good. And a lot of, um, like Coinbase, for example, a lot of, you have to have confidence in the exchange that is housing your, they're, they're called, uh, well, online wallets, right? I guess would be the term we would use mm-hmm. for like a Coinbase. Coinbase also has a trading platform that you can trade on. And, and I don't remember if you can get margin, but on Kraken and Bitfinex and the others, you can. So there's always a question of uh, solvency because like a bank, you're getting, you know, you're getting margin. Uh, you know, they, they've got 10% of deposits in the safe and the rest they've loaned out and they're making money on and they're doing all those sort of things. But you have counterparty risk in an exchange, but I just want to kind of do a little bit of an education thing here, but you don't have to have your, your crypto stored on an exchange. Like the 10 Bitcoin you have, they don't have to be on Coinbase. Shout out Coinbase. You can get a sponsor. Um, you can, uh, you don't have to have their money that you can put it to any wallet in any location. They have the thing called cold storage, basically where you have a, you know, um, it's kind of like a thumb drive, uh, but you just, that is live code and that owns your, uh, that's where your money is stored. Little thing, as long as you have possession of this, that's actually as much money as you have in that wallet. Um, and you can, I could hand you $50 million nano uh, or, you know, wallet. I could literally hand that to somebody and they would have it at the same time if we've probably yeah. all watched or, the, or you uh, could send it you could send it for 30 cents like there's no in a second yeah there, there's no fee there's no bullshit you know broker like the, it's it's like pennies on pennies on the millions of it's tiny that you could just send yeah. to somebody instantly and like that that's crazy it's like why wouldn't we just why wouldn't we do that you know bitfinex did one last weekend 1.5 billion dollar like flip and it took, I th- yeah, it was on the, it was on the Bitcoin blockchain. They did it. It was, uh, it was just like instant. And I think yeah. they paid 
150 bucks maybe. Yeah. Somewhere it's around. It's like crazy low amount. And the, you know, the CTO comes online and everybody was freaking out. 1.5 billion Satoshi. And he's like, oh no, sorry. That was just updating our wallet. <laughs> we're, we're just flipping it. And yeah. then, like the transaction fee to do that. Like think about how much work that would take for, first of all, how many companies, you know, have $1.5 billion that they can flip into a different wallet. Like I can't move yeah. from my Chase bank to, uh, to, you know, Bank of America, $1.5 billion in a second for 150 bucks. That's, that's a yeah, it's not unreal. Yeah. Especially <laughs> like, and you could do it if, if they want to send it to their branch, that's in Germany or a branch that's in Czech Republic or a branch that's in Botswana. Like they, it, there's no borders. There's no law or, I mean, there may be some down the road. I mean, I don't know how the international law works, but like you don't need to have, there's no approval process. You can just, you can do it. Yeah. Um, which is very, very exciting. And I know for myself, I mean, I was talking to my buddy earlier today and I said, you know, there is something about like, it's one thing to have a bar of gold in your, in a safe or in your closet, whatever. That's not really my thing, but I get it. It's another thing when you have something where if I really needed to, I could walk across the street, get somebody to download a Coinbase wallet or whatever. And I could send them money right now. Like, and I own all those assets. Like I have all those assets available to me. I don't like the, the bank has shut down. All we need is an internet connection. And that genuinely makes me sleep better at night. I feel like that's a very good thing to have. Uh, and I've never felt like that before. Even in all my years of running Bitcoin, I've never really felt that way. And now I'm like, wow, I'm pretty stoked that, yeah, you know, I have the ability to do this if I needed to. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an event like now where, you know, you just, just, I'm just thinking, you know, how you get people paid in a lot of different ways. And, you know, it's just, this is such an interesting experiment that we're going through with the coronavirus pandemic and, and um, you know, sheltering at home and all that of the opportunity that could be done. And now people are like, hey, I'm working from home. I can do this. This is fine. Actually, this is much easier. And I don't need to pay you know, I, I, I spoke to a lot, I, I did a tweet, but I've been talking to a number of founders I know who venture funded and they basically had to furlough and they were looking at doing, getting the, the payroll protection plan loan. And instead they furloughed because they had venture capital in the, in the bank. And they were like, Oh, wow, we're just going to cut our, you know, cut our team by half. And now I'm going to start looking for the top people as opposed to, you know, the bottom, you know, the people I have here, I'm just going to go out and recruit the best because I got a bunch of money um, and everybody's working remotely. And, you know, so how do you get people paid? How do you do all that? Like, there's some really interesting things. I think that there is going to be another, um, a technical, well, here's, here's a bit of a prediction of this going down the rabbit hole, using a blockchain to, monitor who's been who's gotten the virus right i guess we're going down mm -hmm. a rabbit hole but if you have a blockchain to monitor who has the um who has the virus who's been tested for it and who hasn't um you just get that uploaded and it's it's true like you nobody can hack it nobody can do anything like that 
and that's how you can get everybody back to work. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole too much, but there's, I know of teams who are working on problems like that. And as people are furloughed, I know of not just the founders who are doing what they have to do to save their company, but the people who are furloughed or laid off or whatever, they're doing these projects and they're saying, mm -hmm. you know, because everybody's, how do I help? You know, how do I, you know, how do we solve what's going on here? How can I do it for my keyboard? This right here, exactly what we're doing. There's a tremendous amount of opportunity to do that. Um, but we're getting into the more venture side of, of technology and we're, we're escaping the uh, discussion of, um, of, of the macro side. So, um, okay, so you're a trader. Let's, let's, get to the, let's get to the more fun stuff on my stuff. So yeah. as far as trading, you're pro are you focused as much on crypto or is it just one chart on your screen? Uh, I spend most of my time trading index futures. Um, for the, and I, I would trade, I have, you know, the main crypto, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, like the, all the top volume stuff. Sure. I have it all, like open, like I'm looking at it, but I don't really trade it very much because it's just a completely different style to trade, you know, position style of swing trading versus, you know, kind of day trade futures. Um, and so the way I look at, at Bitcoin, like we were talking about is how do I own as much as possible for, with the lowest amount of risk? And the way that that works is I just, I buy extremely high uh, probability setups. So in, in my opinion, like with Bitcoin, historically, the most high probability is the capitulations because they, they bounce like no other asset bounces in the short term. Uh, and you can get 15, 20, 30% in a matter of minutes um, if, you just get, if you get your orders in there in time. So whatever, a couple of weeks ago when Bitcoin had that 50% sell-off day, you know, I tweeted out, hey, I'm back up the truck at 4,400, put up a huge uh, buy order, blew through it. And then I immediately set a sell order, uh, 25% above it to recoup all my money. And then I got 25% free Bitcoin or like, you know, house Bitcoin or whatever. And so that's kind of how I, I look at trading Bitcoin because you don't lose any money. I mean, you can obviously lose a ton of money. I shouldn't say that, but it's, you go for the highest possible risk return moves. Um, you, you basically trade it in very short timeframes uh, and you try to scalp as much as you can off. And then you, you just put the rest of that in your cold storage and wait for the next one to come, come about. That's just me. I think that there's, there's tons of people that make a lot of money trading uh, margin or on leverage, or they do long-term position stuff and they trade daily charts. That's great. My style is I'm going to get in, I'm going to get out. I'm going to trade what makes Bitcoin Bitcoin, which is the volatility, I'm going to trade the volatility and not put my capital at risk for longer than I have to, and then just build a stack of, of crypto and let that do the work. Stacking sats. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's uh, so like, let me break that down real quick. And, and there was something in there that was extremely relevant that I'm not sure people catch cut on if they don't, if they don't understand how it works. So you, if you have your money on interactive or in interactive brokers, Thinkorswim, at Morgan or, or uh, you know, or Goldman or any, any of these, you know, brokerage firms, if you have your money there, it's their money. 
basically. You're just moving it around. You get it back, um, you know, during regular business hours and maybe they'll have to mail you a check to get it back. But when the market's going crazy and you're worried that, you know, your currency is not going to last and you, you know, or whatever it is, the exchange is going to be insolvent, uh, like happened, has happened numerous times in my life. Um, you're pretty much at the, you know, at the, um, you're a servant to the brokerage firm who works for you. Like you don't, they're not really a servant to you. And what he's talking about here is if you have your crypto in cold storage, you can move it to an exchange in about a minute's time after you hit the enter button, which means move $100,000 worth of Bitcoin from this wallet to this wallet. They have to line up, enter it all in there, hit boom. And when the, when, you know, that, that goes through, boom, you, your money is suddenly on this exchange. You had zero money in your, let's say Coinbase account. Um, and now you have a hundred thousand dollars worth of money in your Coinbase account and you lever up or you, you know, you get into it or do whatever, boom, 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 do your thing and then move it back off the exchange, give back the margin. Like you can literally go into a margin account. You have a hundred thousand, you can go five X margin and you go buy five times the amount of Bitcoin from 4,400 to 5,000 or 5,500 or whatever, you know the number you're using here, six, it's currently 6740. That can happen at a capitulation point. That can happen within, you know, a few hours, um, mm -hmm. that whole situation. Now, <laughs> take your pile of gold bricks that you have in a safe <laughs> over here and you grab these and you go to a gun or not a, gun, a gold place and you say, hey, I want cash for that. And that takes, you know, a week or whatever to do. And then you get, okay, I'm going to send this off to my interactive broker's account because I have this opportunity that I see happening. You can go from my money is cold stored, safe, off the internet, just away from everything, no threats whatsoever to I'm all in, I'm levered up. I do it for 20 or 30 minutes and you can move it right back off into your cold storage um, wallet or not even cold storage, even just your wallet. You can have 20 minutes of exposure to a market at five times margin if you want and be in and out in such a, a rapid period of time. So it also means you got to pay attention to the crypto markets to get there. Uh, and it's not a, it's not an everyday strategy, but that's an amazing strategy. And, and, you know, that's a, if you're a, if you're a scared person, the, the economy is going to collapse and, but you're still a trader. Like it's an amazing strategy to go about. So I wanted to kind of unpack it and hopefully sure. draw it out for people a little bit better to understand how, exciting it is to be able to do those sort of things. So, yeah, I think, and I think that that's, that's part of the, um, I mean, at the end of the day, the reason why crypto is worth trading is the volatility. If you yeah. like, <laughs> if there wasn't a the volatility, you should be trading like futures yeah. or options. Like there's way better stuff to trade, yeah. uh, on a day to day basis. But when, when Bitcoin is cranking, I mean, there's no more emotional asset in the entire world, and which is why you only really want to have exposure to the whole world of crypto when you need to take advantage of that volatility. And you can, like, like you said, I mean, you only need an hour heads up. I mean, if you see the, the sell-off starting to go, you know, you've, you've got half an hour to get your, your stuff on there and put on the trade and whatever else it may be. Um, and that's, I think that's the, the, 
the biggest realization I've had as a trader moving into the futures market is I was like, man, I only thought about trading crypto. And I thought yeah. that like moving to smaller coins was how you get better markets or more volatility. I was like, wait, what? That's, yeah. you know, I, I just was like, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you, you, when you know the market, you, you play, you play the, the strengths of that market. Some markets trend really well, some markets mean revert, some markets very volatile. And you, 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 do, you do what the market gives you. Yeah. Well, that's a really good strategy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a systematic trader. This is exactly all I do is just follow a system. I don't, I don't think about what's, you know, what fed governor is saying and, and what tweet is happening or anything like that. It's just, you know, what's in front of me. Do I have a, do I have a system that works that I've tested? Do I know it works? Do I have an understanding of what my distribution of outcomes are? Yep. So I can adjust risk and, um, you know, I made a living in 2017, pretty much in, I, I want to say it was like in February is when I made the decision, maybe it was March, to put a pause on regular markets and just go all in on crypto for mm -hmm. about a year. Uh, and it was just, that was the best game in town. You know, I, I've totally. been trading since uh, 1999. Uh, and it was just obvious that that, like, <laughs> you have a account over here and an account over here and this one goes that up that quick. Yeah, there was a, there was a period of time where I was like, I, I want to be, you know, I want to be a grown up, So I got to trade this stuff because people won't think I'm a grown up. except I need to make money. And that, there's a lot of money to be made over here. There's a little made over here. That was easy. It was an easy decision. Yeah. It was really Absolutely. funny talking to the, talking to the grownups in the, in the world when, you know, they were, uh, we all had moon emojis and, and all that on our, uh, on our, on our Twitter feed. Um, what are you seeing in the market these days? What do you, how are you, uh, not just crypto, but just generally speaking, what's, um, what's takes up your time? Uh, what takes up most of my time is the, just like the, the stock indexes. I spend a lot of my time just. Are you day trading, swing trading? Do you have a. Yeah, mostly, mostly day trading futures and March was probably the best month I've ever had. Uh, it's based, you know, on that article that's in, you know, your guys' article that is in my uh, Twitter profile. You know, it's it's one of those things where I was like, look, if I'm ever going to go for the jugular, this is this is it. Like, you, you don't get a lot of opportunities like that. Maybe a couple, like two a year or something like that. And so I just was like, I'm just going to go for it. Um, and so once the month ended uh, and the volatility kind of subsided or at least moved to the overnight sessions, I've, I really haven't traded that much in the last two weeks. I mean, some here and there, but I'm really just waiting for the next move to happen. Uh, I think there's going to be another leg down. Um, if there's not, then there's not, but that's, that's what I, as a trader, that's what I would expect to happen. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's mostly just, just waiting for the good setups to come back because as a mean reverting trader, uh, during the daytime hours, it's like the, the setups just don't, they're not high enough on the risk reward to, to really push a lot of chips in yet. And it's like, uh, there's just no reason to, uh, at this point. So, uh, yeah, I spend most of my time on that. I spend a lot of time, um, you know, it's funny. I don't spend a lot of time researching 
stocks or researching investments. I spend a lot of time researching people that do that for a living. And I will take a certain amount of money each month and I'll go sign up for like 30 services or, you know, whatever. And I'll go through every single one of them and I'll look at their process. I'll look at their track record. I'll look at how they do things. I'll kind of see how they, their system. And I'll try to get ideas from people that have done all this work. And then I'll go and see how it lines up with my own, uh, you know, my, through my own lens. And so I think that's something I learned from the marketing business is, I mean, so many people, myself included, they get in and they are like, okay, I got to build my own website. I got to build my, I got to do my own video thing. I got to have my own thing, every X, Y, Z. Instead of realizing that there's people that have already done all this and they could just give you the software or whatever. Same thing is true in the financial markets. Uh, I get hit up a lot. People are like, oh, hey, how do I trade? How do I learn the candlesticks? How do I do that? I'm like, listen, just go pay somebody who is really good at this and a really good teacher and just like, just let them do the heavy lifting for you and then focus on what you're really good at with the skills. Like become a really good trader. Don't learn how to trade. And that's like how I approach everything uh, in trading and business, whatever. Um, so I spend a lot of my time trying to do that too, is finding uh, undervalued companies, overvalued companies, good setups, bad setups, trend systems, outperformance, underperformance, things like that. Well, as a creator of a course, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, the uh, I couldn't agree more. The uh, well, it's a, it's a great process, and it, you know, it, it obviously it works. I mean, like there are there's so much good work out there, and really comes down to when you're talking about you know in marketing and in business, we have a very systematic way. Once you figure out, once you get your product market fit. You know, once you have a product, you create it and you have a market and you deliver it. Like this isn't for your benefit, this is for everyone else's benefit. Sure. Um, it, it becomes a system, right? Where you get a thousand people to come to your website, you know, 5%, 1% are going to actually do something. And that's a very good business. You can scale those up. The same thing in trading. It's just that in trading, people fail to think that, you know, they, they tie their ego into, or investing even, they tie their ego into the outcome. Mm. And I always talk about like, you know, just when you have a store and if somebody walks into your store and doesn't buy a product and they walk out, it was just a, you know, you had to, you, it's cost of doing business. People are going to come in. And the same, same thing is with the trading is you don't have to, you don't have to be novel. You know, you, you, <laughs> ultimately the job is to make money. It's not to be, and especially as an individual investor um, or managing money, um, your job is to make money. It's not to be original about your method to make money. That's it's right. there now. And if you can, you know, figure out what you believe about a market and what your biases are and, and build things around that, it's so much easier than trying to pretend that you're Paul Tudor Jones and, mm -hmm. you know, say, oh, I'm a billion you know, Darren, he's a vol trader. We, we've done a couple of podcasts and, you know, he always says, look, you know, as an individual investor and an individual trader, you don't have to compete in the billionaire game. Like the, you know, the hundreds of thousands of dollars that they leave and millions of dollars that they crumbs that they leave 
on the sidelines where they're doing their major work, that's where we should be focusing on is those little crumbs because that's significant for us. And mm -hmm. absolutely going out, finding the best stuff, getting the best information, leveling up. It's such a, it's such a good thing to, to see. Anyway, I, I applaud you for it. And well, uh, yeah, I think, I think that, you know, if you just do the math behind it, right? Like all these statistics of, Oh, 99% of traders fail and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, like, but that's true with everything that's hard, right? Like 95% of entrepreneurs are done in three years, you know, like go down the list. Everybody fails if they're not born, you know, if they don't want to do it. And my whole thing is if you look at the math of trading, like you said, it is not hard to go out and find a statistical edge. You can go pay somebody a couple hundred bucks a month and get most likely a quantifiable edge in some way where if you do what they tell you, you are going to win 64% of the time yep. or whatever it may be. So that's not the problem. The problem is, do you do it every time? And more importantly, when you have the winning trades in your favor, do you absolutely hammer them with everything you have? And like, that's the game. That's what makes Paul Tudor Jones, Paul Tudor Jones is because he dropped a billion, he shorted a billion dollars in one day. Like yeah. that, it's not that he had better information or anything else. It's that he was willing to do that. Same with Druckenmiller and all these other, I mean, there's, there's hundreds of people like this. And I think that that's the other big piece is that I spend a lot of time like visualizing and also drawing what would need to happen. What would I need to see to push all my chips in, right? Like what, what, what would need to happen tomorrow for me to go, go full short, all, all, every dollar I have in my futures account, what would, what would that need to look like? Or what would it need to, like for me to go long? And if the more you know what your, like your brain knows what it's looking for, when it comes, like you are just naturally going to have those monster trades and like two monster trades, that's, that's the year. Like you're done. You don't, you're, you're done working for you. You don't need to do all these small, like if the small trades are fun and they pay the bills and keep the income going, but it's the big trades that like, that's where, that's the money. And uh, that's just a mindset thing. I mean, it's a, it's a practice. It's a mindset thing. It's a confidence game. It's a conviction game and going through the process of, finding good ideas, disciplining yourself to understand what gets it, what gives it the edge, all that builds the confidence that you can have the big trades. And, you know, that's, I think that's what makes it the, uh, such an incredible experience is like, it's just, you, you can never, it's unquenchable. You, you yeah. just, you always want more of that. And that's what makes it so fun. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, you have to have the right personality for that. It, it's, um, and this is what I talk about, you know, trading your beliefs. When you believe something, then you have, you know, you need to go to those strengths. If you don't have that belief, then, you know, you're actually, I always say this, like if, if, uh, you know, if you're the sort of person that needs to have a lot of winners, then you're, you need to adjust your strategy accordingly. Mm -hmm. And if you're the sort of person that just wants to have the massive, huge winners, the few times you need to adjust your strategy accordingly. If you understand that about yourself, you're mindful, you know that you're a home run hitter. Um, you're going to show up to work and, you know, look for the home run. Like, what do I need to do to do that? Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be the everyday guy, you know, and you don't have to be the home run hitter just because some folksy guy comes on TV and talks about that. 
you know, and right. everybody reiterates it and they wrote books about it. And, you know, just, you don't have to, just because you see those sort of things, you got to be mindful of what you know. And I absolutely think the quantitative approach or a systematic approach of just, you know, measuring and understanding what it is, where do I have to be to really pounce? You know, what, what is that? What does it need to be? And if you don't know what it is, then, you know, you're obviously not a place where you should be pouncing, right? If it's just not obvious, that's a, that's another feedback loop right there. If it's not obvious to you of what you need to do, well, don't make, don't go out and do it just because the market's on somebody flipped the on switch, just stay away. That's a great yeah, advantage that, that we have. I think that's a really good, really good point that you bring up is this idea of uh, like knowing what your strengths are, knowing what your personality is, because if, if you have something, if you have a system that you can quantifiably measure that is going to win a certain amount, of, like at a, at a certain like rate that you are okay with in the back test, check out, you just trust the system, just let it, let it do what it's going to do and use smaller amounts. If you want to use smaller amounts, you can live a very good life doing that. And like, you can even make a lot of money doing that if you scale it up and, you know, you just, just trust the system. And yeah, the, the longer I've been trading, the more I've realized that if you just trust where, what's going to work for you, it just works so much better. And for some people it's, uh, you know, doing long swing trading in crude oil. Some people it is day trading Forex. I don't mean, it doesn't matter yeah. what, what your thing is. Um, and it just, it just makes all the difference. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's, let's finish it up a little bit here. What are you working on? Where, what do you, uh, so you, you had a YouTube channel. I see the, see it up in the corner behind you. The, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. The one piece of artwork I have in here. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Are you just, uh, are you just locking it down at home trading and, and that's your life or what are you working on these days in addition to this? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, there's not a whole lot to do these days, to be honest. Uh, I'm like kind of itching to get on a plane and go somewhere, but I don't right. think that's going to happen. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm just trading a lot. I mean, watching the markets a lot. I'm actually not trading them very much right now. Um, I spend a lot of time. I think it's really easy to, to, for, for me at least to get caught up in the prediction game, which is a waste of my time. And it always has been a waste of my time. Uh, and right now when there's not a lot to do, there's not a lot of trades, it, it's easy to get caught up in like, Oh, what's going to happen next. And so what I've, what I've really started to work on is, uh, like more of like a preparation of different scenarios and, it may sound like it's like a side project, but I actually dedicated a couple of hours a day to being like, what would it look like? What would it feel like if this happened? What would it feel like if this happened, you know, and going through it in my head, drawing it out. Um, you know, sometimes I'll use Photoshop or something to, to make it look the way I want it to look. Hmm. That process for me works really well. Uh, it just, it helps me believe that, like what I'm waiting for, what I'm looking for. And I don't get caught up in anything else. Um, I don't, you know, I don't let tweets or articles or whatever. So I spend a lot of my time doing that. Um, I'm working on like, you know, some side projects just for fun, you know, just cause it's, I feel like there's, it'd be helpful to, you know, give some resources to people and, you know, I don't really want to make money or anything. Just 
help people out. So putting together some stuff like that. And uh, yeah, just trying to just trying to stay, keep my head above water during this whole, yeah. whole quarantine thing, I guess. So, so, so you're not coming back to YouTube. No, no, no return of the YouTube. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think that it's a, it's an amazing platform and I'm like super bullish on content and I love seeing people on there doing their thing. It was just, it was really, uh, I put a lot into it and, uh, you know, 10 months of, of daily videos, uh, 30 minute videos was, was just like a lot of juice. And I feel like, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be in that phase some point in the future, but for now I'm like, I'm pretty stoked on not having any customers and not having to check my email. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I, uh, started doing the daily daily email after the morning trading session um this past couple weeks uh yeah it's kind of fun it's uh i find myself repeating myself myself (laughs) repeating myself yeah uh yeah so that's uh that's the only thing i can i could probably relate to how getting 10 months in of dailies is pretty good so okay um where can people obviously at carter thomas on twitter is that your most active communication uh, platform. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Twitter's Twitter's where I'm at. Um, come, come say hi, come check it out. Uh, sometimes I'll tweet, sometimes I won't, but uh, I, I got to get better at figuring out what people actually want to see. I'm not really sure like what my audience is even there for anymore because I've kind of gone through so many phases. So yeah. uh, maybe I'll put out a, a, a poll or something to find out how I can be more helpful. But yeah, Twitter, Carter Thomas on Twitter is, is where to go. Cool. Your website, anything else you want to? Nope. That, just, that just, that's it. Yep. And Carter Thomas. I dig it, man. I, uh, I dig it. I know the days where you like sunlight a pro- or sunset a project and, and you're just like out there doing a lot. I think it's such a fun place to be in life where you're just like, you're not spazzing to get into the market. Um, is kind of the best way I could say it. And, and you're able to think through things and it's, when the world's going crazy, you're just like calm and, and letting it go. It's a, it's a fun place to be. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. Especially, I mean, especially times like now, man, it's like it, it, having some, some semblance of uh, stability is helpful. I find that it's like, otherwise it's, it's easy to get wrapped up in the, the doldrums of it all. And like, right. think about, Oh my God, is this going to be months? And I'm like, I'll just focus on what's like what I can do right now. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to be a much better strategy. Yeah. I honestly, I've never been busier. Uh, well, I won't say never, but I, I am so busy with a couple of projects myself. It's making this whole thing like it's, you know, it's there, you know, it's happening, but you're just, you know, so busy on other stuff. That's, that's moving the needle that it's, uh, you know, it sucks that we're doing, we're going, we're going through, but it's a, it's a fun thing. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, thanks. Chris oh. opportunities. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for taking the time. I'll, yeah, uh, we'll get pleasure. this popped out to everybody and I'm sure, uh, we'll have a bunch of questions and, and all the, all the, the crazy crypto people, uh, will be correcting me on whatever terminology I messed up. Uh, and I love you all for it. Uh, that's it. And, uh, no, it's great chatting, Carter. Yeah. You too, man. Thanks for having me on.